0: Welcome to Tech Buys from the Packet Pushers, a 15-minute podcast at the intersection of IT and business. Our topic today is open networking with sponsor Pluribus Networks. Now, Pluribus has a unique white box compatible network OS that lets you build distributed controllerless software-defined networks in your data center. There's a lot of buzzwords in there, but the ones that you want to take away is controllerless, software-defined, and distributed in the data center. Our guest Alessandro Barberi, who's the VP of Product Manager for Pluribus Networks, is here to whet your nerdy appetite with more details about how the Pluribus sees things differently and what it could mean with our network. Let's get straight into it, Alessandro. Let's start with the white box operating system.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk uh, to talk to you guys. Um, so yeah, Pluribus is a network operating system for uh, white boxes um, like uh, like the one from Edgecore, Celestica, or or even Dell. So we are one of the players in open networking, and we focus exclusively on uh, Broadcom uh, Merchant Silicon-based white boxes.
0: And your network operating system goes onto those switches for data center networking solutions and also Metro Ethernet. And the unique feature is your adaptive cloud fabric. So let's talk, what do you mean by adaptive cloud fabric? You've got a white box NOS. What is your cloud fabric?
1: Yeah, so the cloud fabric, uh, you have to think of the cloud fabric as a layer of software. It's our SDN layer. It's a control plane which runs on top of a standard layer two, layer three network uh, underlay, if you will. So at the fundamental level, our OS uh, is similar to any other uh, traditional NOS. It runs your BGP or OSPF, your MLAG, your classic uh, data center uh, foundational protocols. But on top of it, we have this distributed application. It's a decentralized model, fully peer-to-peer, where the switches can communicate and exchange through this control plane network state information. And because of that, there are interesting properties that come out of this distributed fabric, which is again, in pure software. Things such as, for example, the ability to have a single switch as capable of controlling every other switch. And it doesn't matter which switch mm. it is. Any node in the fabric is equivalent to all other nodes in the fabric. And then, of course, because you have this visibility end-to-end, we can automate an overlay network based on, on VXLAN. So the distribution, the lack of a centralized controller is really uh, an interesting aspect of uh, uh, this technology.
2: You said distributed switches and controllerless, and so someone thinking about this going, okay, I'm having a heart attack right now, thinking about how you're mirroring all of this network state around to all these devices without a controller. So is this kind of a limited scale thing, like where you can do a pod that you know, fits into some sort of a pluribus cluster, or is this a scale very large?
1: Yes, there are scalability limitations. Uh, the way we overcome the scalability limitation of a single fabric is actually by federating, there's a sort of hierarchical control plane as well. So we can actually federate multiple pods together. And we recently announced our sort of architecture to scale to a thousand nodes. So today we're actually more in the, in the hundred range. The next release we're moving to 256, but architecturally mm-hmm. we have this pod level federation that allows to break the barrier of the say, of single fabric domain. One of the key uh, scalability limitation, particularly in the white box space, is that these boxes are built of for eco- with economics in mind. So they don't have a powerful uh, control plane in terms of uh, CPU cores or memory. Uh, therefore, we need to be very efficient and, uh, on, on this kind of hardware. And the way to scale is by marrying a fabric concept, which is fully decentralized, what I was discussing before, with a sort of a federation concept, which is, a, a again, another so, layer of software. So well, the
0: way that I often think about Pluribus is it's a bit like OSPF, which synchronizes, and OSPF is very, very simple, but every router in a, an OSPF network has exactly the same copy of the configuration information. Pluribus does conceptually something similar. Every switch has the config, same configuration, runs the same app, but it's an SDN-like solution. You run a VXLAN overlay, it's distributed. And this particularly, I think would make it really excellent for multi-site data center architectures because every switch knows what every other switch is doing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, There is uh, is some layer of sophistication uh, here. So there are configurations. think of network objects, think of a VRF or a subnet or a VLAN or a policy like an ACL. Those are concepts which can be naturally distributed across a fabric. Typically, you have to go means switch by switch and do that programming. That's what you do today with an EVPN fabric, for example. You have to configure your subnet or type uh, subnet information in every node, and then in every node, you configure BGP, and then you let the BGP control plane. So I think here uh, the, the beauty is that they because the switches share the state information, they don't need a protocol. So we have a sort of a protocol Less or a protocol-free way of having yeah. communication between nodes into the overlay.
0: Yeah, it's also server-free because I don't have to spend <laughs> a large number of large sum of money buying servers to run the controller on because it's in yeah, the
1: switch. Ex- exactly, and this is actually even more attractive in a multi-site scenario. If you look at what other alternative technologies do, which are sent controller-based as the end. What they do is they put multiple controllers in every site, and then there's a super controller for the multi-site. That's a huge expense, particularly as the site gets gets smaller, right, towards the edge or smaller data center. It's an expense that uh, we don't incur into. As long as the switches talk to each other, can see each other, basically, uh, they can form this fabric independently of the topology or the number of locations the fabric is distributed on.
0: What about from an API point of view? This must be a little bit confusing because... Normally when I'm talking to an API northbound from my SDN controller, well, I'll talk to the controller. Can I just talk to any switch in the distributed architecture as an API point? Yeah, precisely.
1: So as as, a, as an administrator, as a fabric operator, you have the freedom to choose which are the switches which answer either SSH or REST API. You enable Tomcat, let's say only on a subset of the switches of the fabric. For, for, to limit the security uh, surface exposure, so to speak. And only those nodes are entitled to respond to your uh, REST uh, REST calls. <clears throat> At that okay. point, right. once you log into any switch, you have full control of the fabric. Again, the model is peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer, fully symmetric, where there is no node superior to the other nodes.
0: Oh, cool. Because that means I could just have a In some situations, I could just use any switch in the architecture where it made sense. Or maybe I even have a switch just dedicated to handling the API calls, if that's an issue.
1: Exactly. I mean, we we do recommend that the switch with the uh, fastest control plane uh, can be your uh, sort of entry point into the fabric, your gateway to issue commands. So for example, if you have a a spine with a large CPU, that could be probably a good A good entry point uh, because again there's some stress you put on the cpu with all these rest calls and telemetry you need to uh, export back and forth uh, um, uh, from the fabric Hmm.
2: so alessandro can you explain how you build a forwarding table and then interact with the rest of a network that might be out there that isn't pluribus so you got something on the bottom that's figuring out things like well like what spanning tree would figure out and what bridging tables do and what routing tables do and so on and and builds from there absolutely
1: so i think one of the foundational aspects of uh, uh, the fabric is uh, that uh, uh, it's predicated on a standard networking layer. So underneath the fabric, which is a think of it as a distributed database style application, you really have a, a fully distributed uh, network where every switch runs is so its own suite of protocols. So typically in a pluribus environment, what we do is we build an underlay and the role of the underlay is simply to put or to allow the communication between the different vir- virtual tunnel endpoints or IP addresses associated with the virtual tunnel endpoint. So as long as the underlay can route traffic between the VTEPs, then every, all the magic, so to speak, or all the value-added services are applied to the overlay uh, of the fabric. And how to build forwarding in the overlay is actually built using our uh, VPort database or endpoint database. We know where every endpoint in the fabric is And we appropriately program into the overlay, the routing table and forwarding table, to route or bridge um, traffic um, on on the overlay.
2: So the transport between each switch that makes up the adaptive cloud fabric is uh, VXLAN. And then you have your own learning method to know what port uh, an endpoint is plugged into and then can forward things through that VXLAN mesh between the switches wherever they need to go. Precisely, precisely. And if you will, uh, if you really want to find a, a
1: parallel or something you can uh, sort of latch on to, to understand what we do, the concept is like having, uh, we accomplish the same functions of an EVPN control plane without the need to program EVPN, if you will, right? Uh, there are, okay. We do a lot more services, but the idea is having a control plane for the overlay, which is now, and we do this build using our our sort of um, vPort database, which is a concept similar to an endpoint database that a technology like LISP uh, has as well.
2: Mm. Mm. So you don't do eVPN, but you could operate with eVPN? So that's actually another very good point and important point. Yeah,
1: so um, eVPN for Pluribus operates at, uh, allows Pluribus to actually interoperate with third-party Uh, third-party cloud uh, services. right? You need to export uh, type 5, type 2 route, type Mm 3 route uh, um, to a third-party cloud from another vendor. Then we actually engage uh, through an EVPN translation. We elect uh, a couple of nodes in the pluribus fabric as EVPN gateways. And their role is to translate uh, the fabric commands or the fabric communication into EVPN communication that third-party can understand. So As I said before, we are open at the underlay level because we talk the BGP, the OSPF to form a a relationship with any other network. At at the overlay layer, we actually speak EVPN, so you can extend at least Type 2, Type 3, and Type 5 routes today to third-party cloud uh, as well. It's similar to the NSXT, if you will, uh, uh, strategy as well. Right inside the fabric, uh, they speak their own uh, control plane language, and outside, they actually have to engage. uh, on a standard EVPN to communicate over VXLAN.
0: So it plays well with others. You recognize ultimately that the data center fabric is not the only thing. You have to interface out to the direct connects, to the EVPN, to the campus, to the you know, wherever yeah. it is. And you, so you need to speak those protocols wherever they are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our mission is to uh, um, insert uh, Pluribus into as many distributed uh, network environment possible. And you can not do it if you have a closed technology. So EVPN for us is a tool to really open also uh, the services on the control plane.
0: Now, you also said at the outset that you could use the Pluribus NOS and the controllerless SDN capability that you have is Metro Ethernet. Now, that would imply that you have a full suite of Layer 2 functionality, Q&Q, Metro Elan, e and also basic functionality like Spanning Tree and all that sort of suite. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And if you think how we do bridging, again, you have to think bridging into an overlay network. Underneath, we build a – it's very different from a traditional Metro Ethernet uh, switch in the sense that the underlay now is layer three. So we yeah. com- we converted a traditional layer two switching infrastructure into a layer three infrastructure where we use the overlay to deliver services such as uh, bridge domain, Q&Q, VLAN, uh, VLAN reuse, VLAN overlap, VLAN aggregation. Uh, and then we can build different topology, point-to-point, point-to-multipoint, E3 topologies. We build this technology into the fabric overlay. And again, we do this sort of protocol-free. Yeah.
0: To do Metro Ethernet or to be viable, you've got this distributed fabric, no controller, this distributed uh, controllerless architecture. And Metro Ethernet would be really quite interesting because as long as the switches can talk together, I can take all of the customer data and just integrate it into a single thing. That's an interesting way of solving the Metro Ethernet problem. And then you've got all the functionality we talked about in the other context. But just to make it clear to people who might be thinking about Pluribus in their network, You do all of the traditional L2 ethernet, MLAG, spanning tree, rapid spanning tree, all that. You just speak it, translate it at the edge.
1: Absolutely. Towards the host at the edge before you onboard an endpoint into the overlay, we speak the traditional LACP, LLDP, MLAG, uh, uh, spanning tree, all the traditional protocol are game for pluribus.
2: Now, Alessandro, Pluribus has been around for a lot of years. As you guys have developed in the market, what are the major use cases? Who, who's been deploying it? What are they doing with it?
1: Yeah, so we have a very strong uh, use case in the telco and FVI space. Um, we are deployed in uh, uh, over seventy uh, tier one mobile network operators. Uh, as you guys probably know, we have a partnership with Ericsson, and we uh, Ericsson is OEM in the Pluribus software onto their switches. Uh, so definitely, that's one area, uh, mobile network operators. <clears throat> but we we uh, have accomplished over 300 customer into um, mid-market, enterprise, uh, government, and education, yeah. um, and uh, uh, cloud tier two, tier three cloud providers as well.
0: So that basically, I think the takeaway from that is that Pluribus has been doing this for a decade now. You've been part of the SDN from the very beginning, and often in the background. Maybe we haven't seen you. Uh, You know, your name out there in lights on the main street, but you've definitely been doing this for a long period of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Pluribus started off with the server switch concept, building their own sort of custom appliances. And this is a strategy we pivoted away uh, around 2015, 2016. Uh, so we started off as an open networking company only let's say five years ago, four or five years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this is when we converted uh, to white boxes. That's probably why Pluribus uh, is not uh, as well known as other players in the white box space. Uh, we effectively started supporting in 2016, the first Dell open networking box. But now the path is clear. And we're very excited. We're making, we have great traction as a company. And uh, particularly, again, in the multi-site uh, um, DCI type of use cases, uh, okay. uh, we are carving out a good presence uh, in, in, in multiple markets.
0: Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time, Alessandro. It's been a while since I heard about Pluribus Networks. But if people want to find out more information, where can they go?
1: Yeah, people can go to www.pluribusnetworks.com slash packetpushers and on Twitter, pluribus.net.
0: That's pluribus, P-L-U-R-I-B-U-S, pluribusnetworks.com slash PacketPushers, And as always, you can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts along with our website at PacketPushes.net. We can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook and Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.